Okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witchbuster extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. Yay. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Live from the Auction Community Studios on this Monday morning, it is the Wolf and Luke Show. I'm Luke Wolf. What's up? Oh, what's going on, Luke? How are you? Uh, it's, uh, you know, great. How was yeah. your weekend? Was well, your weekend it was great? fantastic. Well, it was a better effect. Uh, uh, well, the D-backs didn't get swept by the Marlins. That's exciting. Yeah, no, that was uh, very nice to see. A little fight right there from the Diamondbacks, of course, not getting swept. And it kind of looked that way, didn't it, going into Sunday? It didn't game. look great going up against Sandy Alcantara when yes. you're already down and you've lost two. Uh, but I'd say that was a high point of the weekend. Uh, ASU football <laughs> won its spring game against itself, so oh, that's that was huge. Beautiful. I love the way you just framed that up. Thank nice, you, Luke. Nice, Appreciate nice that. Nice big win there, and I don't think anything else has happened since yeah, we got off the air on, uh, yeah, on Friday, right? Right, yeah. Nothing with the Cardinals, no. nothing with the Suns. I think everything's Guess good. what, ladies oh. and gentlemen? Get ready for a long and contested combative series. There. I said it. Yeah. Um, all right. Kellen Olson's going to join us in a little bit. We are going to do a listeners only meeting at 1115. <laughs> so get your thoughts ready for 1115. Um, I wouldn't say call in an hour and 15 minutes early, but just have your thoughts ready. I think the question will basically be, what is your biggest concern right now? How concerned are you and why? All that stuff. Let's start there uh, for us, Wolf, before we do the listeners meeting in an hour and, and 15 minutes, 12 minutes. Um it's one game. It's yeah. a best of seven series. Yes. It was not some lopsided blowout loss where it didn't look like the Suns showed up to the game. But, man, that was concerning in a few different parts. Yeah, no, I, I think there's no doubt about it. I, I still think the Suns are going to win this series in six. I, I thought it was going to be a contested, combative, very physical series to begin with. And the only thing that was going to be the determining factor in this series was the confidence level of the Los Angeles Clippers. Their confidence level. The the Phoenix Suns, I believe, are a confident bunch. We were talking about this coming into the series all last week, of course. Kevin Durant and the confidence that he brings this team and the aid, comfort, and shelter that he brings this team. Isn't that right, Devin Booker? All of this goodness. But the team that needed the most confidence was the Los Angeles Clippers, and they just got a lot of it. Yeah, you know, if you want to go big picture, the, the thought I had when that game ended was... I know that the reports are basically that Paul George won't play in the first round, but if this is if this goes deep and you get to a Game 7, you're going to tell me that's not at least a story. Could he play in a Game 7? But the bigger thing to me was, you know, don't give Kawhi any any room. Don't give him any momentum. Don't, don't let him get going. And, and he did what he does yesterday. He just quietly put up 38. You know what I mean? Like, he does what he needs to do to win a game. And I think what is frustrating a lot of Suns fans, it's it's not like the Suns looked like they weren't trying or that they were completely lost like Game 7 against Dallas last year. But it just felt like the Clippers wanted it more at times. And then the Suns almost felt a little like... it, It was your biggest fear realized of they don't look like they're on the same page yet. 
And that's that's what was tough when you're seeing Russell Westbrook run up and down the floor and block shots and contest shots from behind and make these plays. And then the Suns are having a hard time getting an inbounds pass or holding on to a rebound in the final minute of the game Man, three different times. That was it right there, honestly. If you go back and you watch the fourth quarter in particular on the offensive end for the Clippers, you watch the way they hit the glass on the offensive end of the floor and how effective that truly was for them down the stretch. 14 offensive boards in the game but it wasn't you look at the plus minus with the Suns and it really is not about the plus minus in terms of the offensive rebounds it was it was when those offensive rebounds actually happened for the Clippers that made all the difference in the world especially down the stretch in that fourth quarter right there the Suns could not grab a rebound. We're going to be talking about a lot of this, but for me, once again, if you want to look at a team and look at the physicality of one team as compared to another, look how many offensive rebounds they get and when they get those offensive rebounds. Yep, with the game on the line. That, to me, shows you a lot of the physicality of that team because you've got to work to get into position to get that offensive rebound. Well, and then that's what I was trying to say. It's not like the Suns delivered some lame effort where they didn't want the game. It just felt like, hey, there's an offensive rebound up for grabs. Other Clippers are going to get it. Hey, okay, the Suns are kind of looking timid. Or Russell Westbrook's just going to sprint down and take the ball. Now, you know, on the flip side, Devin Booker had a monster game defensively. And when Kevin Durant was able to shoot the ball after the first quarter, he looked like Kevin Durant. I mean, that second quarter was something that they didn't have last year. Hey, this looks weird. Nobody's really on the same page. Katie's just going to drop 17 in one quarter and get you back to the point where you're taking the lead yeah. in the second half. So there, there were there were good signs in there, too, and it's one out of seven games. But it, it just if you were going to draw up a Clippers win, that's almost to a T what it would have looked like yesterday. To the point where we're going to have Kellen Olsen on next segment. I mean, how many times did he say Russell Westbrook is the X-Factor in the series? And then Russell Westbrook was the X-Factor in Game 1. <laughs> that was awesome right there. Russell Westbrook. We'll get into him momentarily. But once again, I think from the Clippers' perspective, they've got an awful lot of confidence going into Game 2 right now. Because without Paul George, um, they got it done. Can you imagine on the road against the Phoenix Suns and Kevin Durant, a team that had not lost a game with Kevin Durant in the lineup, and they come in here, game one, their first opportunity in basic earnings, they got the win right there. Confidence, you hear me talk about this all the time. Confidence is the currency of competition. Well, right now, going into game two, I can tell you the Clippers have an awful lot of currency. They got some cold, hard cash in game one, and I would imagine they're going to be spending that cash in game two. The Suns have got a clear path here. Man, they, they've got to come out in game two and show a little bit of the desperation that I thought we saw from the Clippers in that first quarter. It would just be nice to watch a playoff game where the Suns looked like the Suns. And and it's I don't want to lump this year into last year because the team's entirely different. But if you're a fan, the last two games you watched last year, they didn't look like the Suns at all. Really, four of the last five playoff games last year, they lost four of the last five. And last night... It's not that they didn't look like the Suns. It was more of a, this game is going to highlight the fact that we don't totally know what the Suns are supposed to look like yet. Here's Monty Williams talking about uh, the offense and how disorganized they were. Nah, we, it, it was all over the place. I mean, we missed shots. Um, 
in the paint that we typically make, but um, it, it didn't look uh, like there was a great flow tonight, and we got to get more organized and run our stuff. I thought when they put smaller guys on DA and bigger guys on Tory. Um, we had Tory setting screens in the pocket and typically we don't do that. We put DA in that screening action if they switch it then we throw it to him and then he has to convert or find somebody on the second side. So we got to get more organized um, on offense. It's like you said Wolf this is going to be a long contested series and I kept thinking during the game and this is nothing new we already knew this about Kawhi but Kawhi is whatever he needs to be to beat you. So if you let him hang around, if you let his team hang around late in the game, if you let his team hang around late in the series, that's not a recipe for success. No, that isn't. That is not. But right now, again, if you're the Clippers, they're looking at this and they're saying, this is sustainable. This is, we can do this again. We can replicate this. We can go out and do it. And the reason why is because we, we are a better rebounding team than the Suns are right now. I think they believe that once again. They are a better rebounding team. Number two, Kawhi is awesome. This is playoff Kawhi. And we all know the legend of playoff Kawhi. Can he do it again? Yes, he can do it again. They don't have Paul George. And guess what? The Suns have Kevin Durant. Do the Clippers know that, Basinonians? Yeah, they know that. What do you think that does to them? That puts them on edge immediately. Gets the retention immediately. Our backs are against the wall because they have KD and we don't have our guy, Paul George. All right, we come back. Obviously, more from Game 1. What did Kellen Olsen think went wrong in the opener? We're going to ask our Phoenix Suns guru for Arizona Sports. Next, it's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I can see you out there, Kellen. I've talked to like 19 basketball people in three hours. Arizona Sports. Our Suns megamind, Kellen Olsen, joining Wolf and Luke to talk about the Phoenix Suns. Now. All right, it's just one game. That's what we're going to keep telling ourselves until tomorrow night. One game. One game. Kellen Olsen is joining us on the Arizona Sports Line right now to make us feel better about things. Kellen, how you doing? Good. Yeah, it's just one game. Relax, everyone. Perfect. Jeez. All right. Yeah. What we said after Game 7 last year. Um, all right, let's uh, let's just start with your general impression uh, of of what uh, what you saw yesterday, Kellen, whether that was, you know, <laughs> Suns did a lot of things well in the game, but obviously not enough to get the win. So what was your biggest takeaway? Uh, I thought the Clippers came out and played a really great brand of defense uh, physically. Uh, I was really impressed by their defensive play, whether it was Westbrook, Gordon, Powell, Batum. The, the three, first three in particular, their guards were guys that I had question marks about coming into the series just based on their defensive pedigree in, in the past and, and based on how they were defending in the regular season. But all those guys came up for the challenge and just turned this into the type of physical game we were expecting, but I think much earlier in the game. And I just think that with what the Clippers were doing defensively. It just put the Suns in a challenging position where they had to execute, and the Suns just didn't execute as well as they normally do, uh, whether it was just a couple of brain parts defensively in the first half or a couple of missed open jumpers in the mid-range that they normally hit in the first half. That sort of led to that state of being down 15. And, and then in the second half, they just weren't able to run their stuff in the way that they normally were in the last six minutes. And that was the game. Uh, they just got out executing, and I think we're not used to seeing that from this team, and I think we should expect to see more of it later in the series. 
So once again, um, I'm with you on this. I still think the Suns are going to be fine. I think they're going to win the series because talent in the end wins out so much of the time when you play seven-game series. But is it sustainable what you saw from the Clippers? Can they repeat this throughout this series? Yeah, for sure, Wolf. I mean, it's something you talk about on the show a lot of the time is that it just starts with physicality, right? And you look at the way that guys like Gordon Powell and Westbrook were just getting into the Suns' ball handlers. And I thought that Booker responded to it really well. I thought that Durant responded to it really well. I thought Chris Paul responded to it really well. It didn't really wear or slow down the Suns by any means, but it just established a tone for where the series was going right right from the jump. They came into the Suns' building and showed them what they were going to present them for for the rest of this series. So I I do think that there's some sustainable success there for the Clippers, but at the same time, if they're going to have to rely on Kawhi Leonard to score 40 for them every night, he's not going to be able to do it every single night. Like I know, I know playoff Kawhi and superstar Kawhi is certainly a thing at this stage, but they needed every bit of that 38 from Kawhi last night. And he was, he was just unstoppable in the way we all assumed he would be. And we're all just kind of nodding our heads along to him and be like, yep, that's how Kawhi is going to play. And it is to a certain extent, but at the same time, they're going to need more offensively. And I think that's one of the bright spots here for the Suns is that when you look at the depth for the Clippers and what they got offensively, Eric Gordon had a big first quarter, and then that was pretty much it. Offensively, they didn't get much else there, and that's something to be a positive for the Suns going into game two. Talking to Kellen Olsen. Kellen, uh, Kevin Durant had a weird game, zero in the first, 17 in the second, zero in the third, 10 in the fourth, and we were looking at at the final nine minutes of the game. He only took two shots, and he made them both uh, for five points, but there's plenty of guys on the Suns with more shot attempts than him in the last nine minutes, and and a lot of even bench guys with almost as many as him. How fixable is that, and do you think that's on Monty, or is that on KD? I think it's fixable, and I think it's on Monty. I think that watching the game back, I'm going into the fourth quarter right now, watching it this morning, and there were just not enough opportunities for him off the ball that they were able to create, and I think that's what really blew up their their chances because of most of the way that Kevin Durant was being used in these eight games was off of the ball. It wasn't on the ball. He was bringing up the ball a lot more in this game by far than most of he has. Probably in those eight games combined, he probably did it less than he did in this one game alone with bringing the ball up. But when it came to the stuff off the ball, they just weren't really able to get him in his spots. We, we saw like a mid-post isolation, I think, once, and that was – a heartbeat of their offense with him out there. The elbow stuff was getting blown up. There was just a lot of stuff out there for him off the ball that they weren't really able to get to. And to me, that's that's coaching more than anything else. When you want to put the guys in the right position to get the ball and where he's normally comfortable getting it, or at least where he's been getting comfortable getting it in this system so far, they weren't able to get him the ball in those spots. And especially in that fourth quarter, I thought, okay, you run it with Chris and DA, it doesn't work a couple of times, that's fine. Lou calls the timeout, that's where you can kind of settle in and get a look for Durant. And then the look coming out of the timeout was using Durant as a spacer in the corner. And I understand the thought process there, but I think the thought process just has to change because Kevin Durant's a super-duper star, and you can do the pick-your-poison thing between the four guys all you want, but when you're in game one of a playoff series and it's a one-point game, you just put the ball in Durant's hands and see what happens from there. It's usually going to be something pretty good. Killer, would you like to talk about Russell Westbrook at all and your your prediction coming into this series that he was going to be a difference maker? And, man, I don't know if you saw him scoring nine points and being a difference maker, but that's exactly what he was last night. Yeah, I, I got to agree with you, Wolf. I don't think that I saw the, the whole X-Factor prediction coming to fruition in this way where he shoots 3 of 19 
and he's the second best player on his team that night. Uh, his energy is just it, crazy. Kevin Zimmerman and I were talking this about this on the Empire Sons podcast. Like since we've been basketball fans over our lives, the last like twenty twenty five years or whatever you want to call it. I don't know if there's another player that you can cite that consistently plays as hard as he does the way that he does. And we saw it last night. So if you've ever been a a Westbrook skeptic or if you've just even heard the line about his motor and been like, oh, well, I don't know about that. That was the game, especially in that last minute. He was just absolutely everywhere. I mean, those offensive rebounds, especially the second one over that 40-second stretch where he just got up there and tipped it out of bounds, like that's – that's him, and, and he was tremendous. Now, I think that the shooting was an encouraging thing for the Suns because he is indeed going to shoot, and if he's going to shoot that much, 19 shots, that'll be a plus for the Suns. But I think that no matter what, when Westbrook's out there, he's going to be a plus. And that was the thing is a lot of what I wrote about was his playmaking, and he didn't really get to show a lot of that because the Suns were doing well, not giving him passing lanes and just letting him shoot, and, and that's what he uh, obliged. He, he took that on for sure, but I think he showed that no matter what, he's going to be able to come out there and, and be a positive still with his energy. And, it, and it, it's something special. He's, he's an all-time great. People forget he's one of the best point guards of all time for a reason. Talking to Kellen Olsen. Kellen, I, I know it's revisionist fit, uh, history now, but a lot of people brought this up at the time, and a lot of people are obviously bringing it up today. Why wasn't he an option for the Suns on the buyout market in your mind? Oh, he, he's just not their style of player at all. Just just with the ball moving and, and everything like that, I, I I, are, are people doing that? Is that a conversation oh, people yes. are having? Yeah. yeah that's out <laughs> there. Seriously? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, killer, everything's out there on Twitter. You know that. I've heard that. Oh, not no. Just I, haven't looked at my mentions. I haven't looked at my mentions once. I have no idea what people are don't, talking about. I just know I'm getting mentions. a lot of replies, and I'm not <laughs> looking at them. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> people are serious. Okay, well, I, yeah, he's not their type of player, like, at all. I, I understand that people see the defensive impact that he had and the impact that he had on the game overall and, and the buyout market guy that had an impact in the game ones across the league right now wasn't the one that the Suns got. But, yeah, they have campaign is much more their style of player. He was injured. He didn't play. You look at the way that Landry Shamit plays, much more in control. While he's not as – pretty much the polar opposite of Russell Westbrook, right? Russell Westbrook is the most decisive, aggressive person on the planet, and Landry Shamit is not that aggressive or decisive, but at the same time, it's much more under control. They've never had chaotic players before, and Russell is entirely too chaotic. I can't believe I just talked about that. Wow, is everyone okay? Yes. It was one game. Yes. No, I'm with you on that one right there. Listen, talk to me about KD and D-Book and the way that they closed out that game yesterday. Talk about that, because it didn't look like they were hyper-aggressive looking for their shot. Yeah, and I think that speaks, Wolf, to how their system works and how they're willing to, at this stage, in, at, that, at that game, in the last six minutes, they were willing to run with Chris and DeAndre. I can't remember what game they won towards the end of the regular season, but Chris was saying afterwards, like, yeah, it's going to be, we're going to see how it goes sometimes. It's based on what the defense is giving us. Sometimes it's going to be me and DeAndre like it was tonight, and sometimes it's going to be Kevin, and sometimes it's going to be Devin. And, and last night, it was Chris and DeAndre, and they got shots that we're used to seeing them hit, but they didn't go down. And I think you can react to that two ways and say, good process, you should do it again, or it was fine result-wise, but you'd rather see it go another direction. I think that's where everyone's mm-hmm. correctly leaning, is that you got to get the ball in Booker and Durant's hands, especially with the way that Booker was able to find the rhythm, I think, scoring in the second half. I think he was starting to figure out the ticks on 
Gordon and Batum, he was just starting to get to the basket a lot more, and they were figuring out those mismatches a, a lot better. And I will expect a lot more of that going forward for sure. Kellen, I've got about 30 more questions for you, but I know you got to go, so we will talk to you again soon, all right? All right, see you guys. Thanks, Thanks a lot. That's Kellen Olson joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Line. You can text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back, sort of what you were just talking about there at the end, Wolf. Why didn't we see more of Kevin Durant and Devin Booker leading the offense down the stretch? It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Clippers now. First things first, recipe sucker fear. All right, welcome back to the show on this Monday morning. Suns end up falling to the Clippers by a final of 115 to 110 in uh, in the series opener yesterday. Now, look, if you want some perspective, Memphis lost to the Lakers. Milwaukee lost to Miami. Now, there was injuries involved in those. I would say those two teams are actually in, in much worse spots than the Suns right now. You got that right. Two teams that went in with very high expectations, especially Milwaukee. I mean, the favorites to win it all. And they may be fine. It's one game. But, uh, you know, but those teams have have uh, major injury concerns baked into their con, uh, overall concern level now. The Suns don't have that, but they have lost now five of their last six playoff games. So I understand where, as a fan, you might be like, "All right, like let's let's start actually winning playoff games instead of just looking on paper and saying we're better than the other team because yes. they were much better than Dallas last year and lost that series." And I think yesterday was pretty evident that. You know, the Clippers aren't going to just let the Suns win. It, 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 they're not just going to give them the series. You know, I, I thought the start really mattered in this game. That was something I was watching very, very closely because I thought, man, if I if I were the Clippers, I would want to come out in that first quarter and I would want to give the Suns everything we've got. Be on point to let them know right now. Gain confidence ourselves. And yet, send a message immediately to the Suns. And that's exactly what I thought happened in that first quarter. They came out and they were the more physical team. Now, you know I expected that. I thought that's what we were going to see. And I think, Basinonians, as far as the Suns go... As long as they're in the postseason, this is what teams are going to do. They're going to poke, and they're going to prod, and they're going to be physical with the Suns. Manhandle them. Get out there because you can't out-talent them, but you might be able to out-tough them. And that's exactly what I thought they did. Down the stretch, Katie and Book seemed to disappear a little bit. They weren't as aggressive looking for their shot in the clutch time, yeah, the last six minutes. Well, especially especially offensively, because I, I, I do think Booker was pretty much amazing defensively in that game yesterday, but I'm looking at the shot attempts in the final nine minutes, so I just, I just finally, I mean, the game was, the, the fourth quarter was so maddening, I just finally pulled the, the play-by-play game log and just deleted everything that wasn't a Suns shot attempt in the last nine minutes, okay? So you're going in the last nine minutes, and the Suns are trailing 90-88, to 88, all right? So it's a close game already. The shot attempts in the final nine minutes for the Suns, D.A. had six, Devin Booker had four, Chris Paul had three, Ish Wainwright, Landry Shamit, Torrey Craig all had one. Kevin Durant, who I'm setting aside now, had two. He hit a three, and he hit a, uh, a 16-foot running pull-up jump shot. 
Yeah. So he took two shots in the last nine minutes. Made them both. Five points. I understand his shooting percentage for the game wasn't typical KD because he was 7 for 15, but that's because he started the game 0 for 5. Yes. So from that point on, he was 7 for 10. There's no reason that Kevin Durant should ever take two shots in the final nine minutes of a game unless you're up by 30 and he's on the bench. And even then, he should still somehow take more shots from the bench. The thing that is frustrating me today, Wolf, is there's this school of thought, and Kellen kind of got there too when we were talking to him, of, well, you know, the, the best basketball play is, is, you know, hit the open guy. Okay, Kevin, Kevin Durant's got a guy, you know, running out on him. He should throw it to the wide open, whoever, Ish Wainwright, you know, Landry Sham. Yeah, but not when it's Kevin Durant and not when it's the playoffs because you then get into the pattern of the Clippers get to dictate who's taking your shots down the stretch. Yeah. That doesn't work for me. Right. Even if that other guy right. hits the shots, yes. it doesn't work for me. Yes, exactly. It's my problem, of course, with the whole zone read. Okay, so I can dictate to you. thing I, I thought of. It's exactly what I thought of was you saying an opposing NFL defense can tell you who yes. gets to run the ball. That's I'm not exactly even kidding right. you. I thought of that three <laughs> times in the fourth quarter yesterday. Well, there you go right there. I, I also thought the, the end game was filled with big names and we're talking about big names when you're talking about D book of course you're talking about Kevin Durant Kawhi Leonard uh draining threes uh Eric Gordon he may have disappeared a little bit after that first quarter but Eric Eric Gordon there he was with a huge three in this game and I, I thought that was clutch at that point in time for the Clippers of course and then KD answered with a three himself. And that, to me, was was a clutch shot. It actually cut the lead to three. The Clippers were up by three at that point in time. I thought, KD, okay, here we go. I thought, this is it. He's going to take over. And it didn't materialize that way, no. ever. No. But and it, that was disappointing to me. It, it's, it, but it's not like he kept taking shots and all of a sudden they weren't falling. You know what I mean? Like, he just didn't get to take any shots. And so, whoever that's on, and I know we talked to Kellen earlier, and, and, and he said it's probably more Monty than KD, and it's, it's something that they can fix easily. It's got to be fixed by game two. You cannot let Ty Lu or Kawhi or whoever say, you know what? Uh, Torrey Craig's going to take the shots. Torrey Craig had a really good game offensively yesterday. But when you talk about sustainability throughout a series, yeah. if you're counting on Torrey Craig to lead you offensively, then why did you trade for Kevin Durant? You know what I mean? Like, what's what's the point? Uh, here's Monty Williams post game. Well, I didn't think we were organized enough to get those guys shots. I thought we allowed their... Um, the way they matched us, I thought that messed with us a little bit. Uh, we have to just run our stuff, and that's what we're going to talk about tomorrow, just run our stuff no matter how they match up and make them play against our offense. Our offense is pretty good. Yeah, you know, it is pretty good. <laughs> Got some pretty good players right there. And yet at the same time, uh, the Clippers somehow, some way, won this game down the stretch. And they were the more physical team. The, the Suns have got some work to do here. And again, I, I look, this is not the worst thing that could happen to the Phoenix Suns. I'm sorry, it isn't. When you look at something, Giannis goes down, he's got a back. Who knows? Yeah, hey, that listen, was a nasty-looking play, too. That could be really, really bad right there. John um, Morant yesterday. John Morant. That looked even worse. Yes. And by the way, though, John, knock it off with the drama. Okay, just running by your bench and not even communicating with him. Just running into the tunnel. I'm sorry. It's just it, as the, a former player. Is the player. path not just opening nicely for the Lakers? <sighs> <I'm> just, <laughs> it is, right? Here we go. you got a really beat-up Memphis team. And here's the thing. Oh, you get a really 
literally oh, beat goodness. up Memphis team, and then you might get Sacramento. All respect to Sacramento. That was a fun game. And then when the Lakers are there, they're going to talk about how the Suns had an easy path two years ago. Yeah, and they're a much better defensive team at this point in time as well. But look, getting back to the Suns, mm-hmm. getting back to the Suns right now, it's not the worst thing that could possibly happen. It isn't. No, it isn't. Wake up call. Here we go. Right from the very beginning. Prepare your mind. It's supposed to be hard. It's going to be hard. Prepare yourself. Each, each player inside that locker room, prepare your mind for a very tough, physical, combative series. I think it's good. It's not the worst thing that could happen to them. I still think, ultimately, they win in six. I still think they ultimately win. I don't know what the game number is. I just know that they don't need to do the Clippers' jobs for them in, uh, throughout a game. Register to win tickets to see the Foo Fighters October 3rd at Talking Stick Resort Amphitheater. Just head to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com for event details and your chance to win. When we come back, was rebounding the biggest issue for the Suns in Game 1? It was certainly one of them. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports. The home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Clippers now. Uh, Like I said in the first segment of the show, Wolf, if you were drawing up a way for the Suns to lose and the Clippers to win, you pretty much would have drawn it up where... Kawhi had a big game. Uh, you know, the Clippers got to make the game a little bit nasty, which is what they wanted to do. The Suns actually attempted more free throws, so I don't know that you would have had that in there, but you certainly would have had the Clippers crashing the boards on the uh, on the offensive side of things, and that happened. The offensive rebounding was fifteen to six, but more than more than the raw numbers, it was the timeliness of it, specifically yes. in that final yes. sequence with like a minute to go, where the Suns got the defensive stop, didn't get the ball, Just got the defensive the stop again, Just get the rebound. I mean, they did it three times and didn't get the ball. Get the rebound, yeah, and twice I think it went off Da's foot. Twice, if yeah. memory serves. I, I, I don't even know what to say. I mean, you got to get, you have to come up with a rebound. You got to catch the ball. And, like, you know, you, and, and you can say like, well, you know, nobody's perfect. Well, yeah, that's fine. But then you won't win a championship if you can't get that rebound. Well, here's the whole thing right now. Okay, Da uh, and Da, uh, if you're listening right now, okay, can I just tell you, I had the exact same problem. All right, your hands are stone. <laughs> they're just, they're just uh, 26 receptions in 10 years of playing in the. National Football League, hands of stone, D.A. It wasn't just him, but there was a moment it felt like in the game where Chris Paul got tired of waiting for other people to get rebounds, and so he got 11 himself. Now, Chris Paul couldn't hit a shot at the end of the game, but he got 11 rebounds himself. I'm sorry, man. DeAndre Ayton should be the leading rebounder. He was third on the team. And again, it's not even the numbers. It's the, the timeliness. Yes, it was. Um, I, I, it was. We all know the rebounding for the Suns. Uh, I think it cost him a game. Yeah, I'm going to say that. Because of the timeliness the, of the, those and, rebounds. I mean, that sequence at if the end. If you go back and look at it, that, that ultimately cost him the game. Because they could not rebound a basketball when they needed it. Now, wait a minute. I, I, maybe I should back up and say that hurt them to a point where they lost the game. Didn't cost them the game. But because of where it happened in that game, that to me is metaphorical death. 
when that happens to you, where you go out there and that is, you can't come down with an offensive re, or, or a defensive rebound when it matters. That's what happened. The Suns got whipped on the glass. And that's where the Clippers are going to double down for the rest of the series. Can I just tell you that right now? This is that work for them, and they're going to gain the confidence from what happened in that game, and they're going to build on that going forward. They're going to double down on what they did on the glass. Bang away on this team. You think it was physical in that first quarter? It's going to be twice as physical in game two. The the sequence you're talking about specifically, like if you want to relive the last minute and a half or so of this game, the Suns are down 109-103. KD actually is allowed to take a three-pointer, and he hits it, obviously, with 124 to go. So you're down by three, okay? You, uh, You get the ball back. Chris Paul, two free throws. So you're down one with a minute eight. So... Even if they score, right? They're gonna. They're still gonna have plenty of time to come back and maybe attempt a three, yeah, <laughs> or right. I mean, you would still have enough time to, to, to yes. you know go into that routine of you take a quick two if it's there and then foul whatever. And this is this is where. So you the final minute you get the stop. Kawhi misses a shot. Russell Westbrook offensive rebound. Okay, well then Terrence Mann you get the stop again. He misses a three. Clippers offensive rebound. Okay, well now time's starting to become an issue. Russell Westbrook misses a long three. So you get the stop. Clippers another offensive rebound. So then they kill some more clock and take a timeout. So it's not like they scored, yeah. but they just ate up a good 40 seconds of the most important minute of the game just because you couldn't get a rebound. And so to your point, it's not like the Suns automatically win. But you would like to think in that situation where you get three defensive stops in 30 seconds and you're only down one, that you could just get the ball once and get it in Kevin Durant's hands to to get you two points and win the yeah. game. It doesn't mean you would, but how, you never even got that option. As my old coach used to say right now, DeAndre needs to drop some corn nuts and play more physical. And, you know, honestly, that's what I think hopefully is going to happen here. DA, from time to time, he will wander. I think we'll all agree. He, he will wander. But I expect him to come back in game two with a vengeance. I really do. I think we're going to see a much more aggressive DeAndre Ayton in game two. I, you go out there, you play 33 minutes, you have eight boards. Not one offensive rebound. Well, not when one at the biggest moment of the game. Not, right. That, right. That, that is where you should, you're right. Not one offensive rebound. But, it, but, but it, it, a couple of defensive rebounds at that point in time would have helped him. Yes, that, that's okay. what I'm saying. Yeah, just, I'm I mean, talking about him offensively, yeah, not okay. one for the entire game. Yeah. You know, eight rebounds in 33 minutes, and you got Zubots, who's got 15 in 30 minutes of play including four offensive rebounds. So much of offensive rebounds. I, I, the, the reason why I put so much into that stat is because of what goes behind those numbers, Basin needs. Think about it. If you've ever played the game of basketball, you know how hard it is to work to get that offensive rebound a lot of the time. Not all the time. Sometimes it's just the luck of the draw. It comes off the rim that way. But a lot of the time, you've got to work to get yourself in position to make an offensive board, you've got to outwork the other guy to get that offensive glass. And I don't think we saw that with DA. No, and, and you know, you, you go for the game, you go total rebounds. Five guys in this game had more rebounds than DeAndre Ayton. If you go offensive rebounds, ten guys in this game had more offensive rebounds than DeAndre Ayton. And, and to me, it just highlights the fact that 
nobody's nobody with the way this team is constructed looks at DA and says, "Okay, man, we got to have 22 points from you to win games." No, it's just in those moments, just get the rebound. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't score zero, but he's going to get points. But just get those rebounds. That's that's if you just get those rebounds, then you were worth. <laughs> you, you were worth the number one overall pick, I guess. Whatever you were worth the mass extent, mass uh, max extension. If you get those rebounds, and this team goes to the NBA Finals, if he doesn't get those rebounds, I don't know how far you can go. It's force. It's play with force. It always is. Play with force. That's all they want. It, they're not saying, "Hey, DeAndre, go out and score forty for us." They're not saying that. They just want him to be the presence. That they need down low. They want them to bring that physicality and be forceful down low. Just play with force. Your presence will alter the game in our favor if you just play with force. Interesting. I'm not trying to put it all on him, but it's just. Oh, no. But, oh, no. But, but that is no. where that is where his true value is of, OK, man, we got the stop. Oh, yeah, obviously, yeah, I got the rebound. OK, let's call the timeout here and set something up for Katie or something like that. And, and instead, it just it just didn't happen over and over again at the end of this game. Here's Kevin Durant on giving up 15 offensive rebounds, especially those three big ones late. Yeah, Russ got five. He had some he made some huge plays there in the fourth on the offensive glass. And that's how they're going to get points, you know, and that's how they're going to get, you know, uh, extra possessions. Ten more possessions, and that's, you know, you can't win a game like that. Ten more possessions, basically, than the Suns. Yes, it was a problem. And once again, all this does is feed the beast. This is the nature of professional sports, especially when you're talking about a seven-game series. You want to talk about a soap opera. One game to the next game to the game after that. Although there's so many different things that happen in those games, so many different occurrences that might happen in those games. Man, overall, this is, this is what happens in this game. It is a psychological game. Through and through, and right now, the advantage, I think, is with the Clippers. Does that mean they win the series? No, I don't think they win the series. I think talent, in the end, will win out for the Phoenix Suns, but... Right now, this is the best kind of start they could have gotten. Uh, we asked, and I like Monty Williams a lot. I think he's a really good coach. Uh, but I, I asked Kellen this when he was on with us last week. Can they win this series if he gets outcoached by Ty Lue? Because Ty Lue's a really, really good coach, right? The problem with losing game one is now it feels like Monty's got to outcoach Ty Lue in game two. You know what I mean? Like, if the Suns just go out there and win game one on talent, and, you know, okay, Ty Lue made some great in-games adjustments, whatever, but the Suns have Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, and they win. You know, Monty's just got to be a good coach, and he is a good coach. Yeah. But now it's like, okay, you've lost home court. You're down 1-0. I don't think it's like panic time right now, but if you go down 2-0... You're in you're in some real trouble. And and what sort of adjustments do you make to make sure that doesn't happen? Now it is kind of all right, Monty's gotta out coach Tyron Lou. Yeah. Which, to me, once again, I think we'll see a lot more Devin Booker and Kevin Durant in the last six minutes of the game. Well, it wouldn't be hard. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> just give the I ball to Kevin Durant occasionally. that's what you're going to see right now. A lot more assertion from those gentlemen. Uh, all right, when we come back, how are the Suns going to handle the adversity of a Game 1 loss? It is the uh, the first time they've lost a game with Kevin Durant in the lineup. So we'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.